Welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM 103.7. Greg Richard here, joined as usual by Scott Sharp. Scott, how are you? Uh, absolutely perfect. It is a sunny, perfect day and after a sort of semi-gloomy weekend, how can't you be good today? Exactly right. It's a beautiful day. Anything exciting on the weekend? Uh, I did some work. Uh, my young son Tom got to meet Shane Watson on Saturday afternoon, oh, so that, that was pretty pleasurable. exciting. Yeah, yeah. he didn't pull a hamstring. Oh, uh, I was going to say, did yeah, re- getting... review the decision of meeting him? Or... <laughs> Obviously not. Fair enough. What do you got plans for us today, Scotty? Oh, I thought we'd talk about uh, a plant that's out at the moment, uh, Chinese wisteria, a beautiful climber, lots of flowers at the moment. There's a daisy called Banana Split. There's this fantastic product called Go-Go Juice, which is going to put sort of bacteria in your soil, but apparently it's good bacteria. Oh, fair enough. And uh, one that's very close to your heart, uh, Greg, a Big Red. Big Red. We'll explain that a little bit yes. later on. It is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM 103.7. Any questions for Scott Sharp, give us a call on 49 216 216. Now, Scott, you do have another double pass giveaway, or is it a family pass this week? Uh, this week, we've got the family pass up to the Hunter Valley Gardens again. So that's two adults and two children to springtime at the Hunter Valley Gardens Festival of the Flowers. Always beautiful up there at this time of year. And no doubt this weekend, if you've got that pass, you could head on up there and have a fantastic... Well, hopefully it's going to be a good weekend. I hope so, yeah. Very good. Okay. All right, if you'd like to get, ask Scott a question, <laughs> give us a call on 49 at 216 at 216. We've got Helen from East Maitland. Hey, Helen. Uh, so you're in the draw to win the uh, pass to the Hunter Valley Garden straight away, and you're up in the right area. How can we help you, though? I'd like to know if I have to prepare the ground for uh, planting broomer seeds. Yeah, so uh, what sort of ground have you got at the moment, Helen? Just dirt space. It's, um, I think it's clay. Yes, yes. So whenever you've got really heavy clay soil, it's important to try and uh, you know break that up and get some organic matter into the soil. So to do that for uh, grammars, you'd get some cow manure and spread that in the area that you're going to uh, you're going to plant the seeds, uh, and then you just till that over and break up some of the clay and get that organic matter down into the soil. Uh, you could also use some gypsum as well if it's uh, very heavy clay soil. Now the only thing you can you know you can't do though is go and plant those seeds into that. Uh, fresh, you know, freshly tilled over uh, area straight away. You have to wait about a week if you're going to put cow manure into the soil. You just sort of need to let it cool down. That's the, that's the sort of talk I use to describe it. But it just, yeah, it just sort of cools down and it won't burn any uh, new little fine hair roots that come out of those seeds. So it is important to get that organic matter in there because it's going to have to, you know, to get those grammars to grow. You know, it's quite a, quite a process. It'll be quite a few weeks there before they're ready to go. And so they do need to uh, draw on the nutrient out of the soil. So the best thing you could do is, yeah, grab some cow manure, spread that through the area, a bit of gypsum if you want to, turn it all over, use some, uh, use some mussels, and uh, then uh, water that. And then after about a week or so, then you'd go and spread your seeds into that area and water as normal, and uh, hopefully they'll come up for you. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you, Helen. This is Gardening, Talk, Gardening Talk back on to NURFM. We've got Therese from Redhead. How can we help you, Therese? Yes, good afternoon all. My inquiry today is when is the best time to cut back your Rabinia plants ready to flourish again? Yeah, so Rabinias, they're a deciduous tree and it is best to cut them back uh, in in the middle of the year when they've got no leaves on and and the sap stop running um, in, in the tree. That is the best time to do them. You can also give them a really nice shape. 
Uh, that, that said, look, you can uh, prune them back uh, later on in the year. I wouldn't do them at this time of year because at the moment they're, you know, that sap's furiously running up through the tree to try and get those leaves and uh, the flowers and everything growing again. Yes, I've just noticed yeah. some new new shoot happening. So, yeah. yes. So, in fact, I, I would probably wait now at least, uh, you know, into the into mid-November perhaps. Okay. And, and if you, you know, if you desperately need to give it a cutback, that's when you could do it then. Otherwise, you are best to wait all the way back into July again July. Uh, when, when the plants become dormant. And that's a pretty good rule of thumb for most deciduous trees, to wait until they're dormant. Uh, you okay. know, that's why we prune roses at that time of year as well. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. look, you can, but... Uh, Unfortunately, you'll just have to, uh, uh, you know, just uh, you can Let do it. Let it flourish for the rest of the year. Yeah, just until November or so, till that, you know, till the sort of it slows down a bit. It's sort of, uh, you know, it's almost in teenagehood at the moment. You know, everything the hormones are running through it at the moment, and the leaves are popping out, and so you just need to let it slow down into middle age in November, and then, uh, and then you can give it a light prune back then. All right. Look, okay. thanks so much. Not a problem, Therese. Thank a, you. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. You too. Thank you, Therese. And now we've got Margaret from Lambton. How can we help oh, you, Margaret? Uh, hippie asters. Ah, as I said, now look, the, on, on the screen here it says hipsters, and we're wondering, what what do you got hipsters out there at Lambton for? Are they got to... Very trendy out there. Hippie asters. <laughs> okay, yes. I wish we could see the horn. How can we help you? Well, they didn't flower last year. Yeah. And someone said, oh, they need plenty of water. They do, they, yeah, look, they, they will. They could also do with some potash as well if they haven't flowered. Now, I've had an old hippiastrum bowl uh, that, you know, it just keeps on coming up. It lives in sort of in under the house. We bring it out every year and it, yeah. it, it looks after itself. So they can be as tough as old nails, but... That's right. Yeah. These have been, these have never been looked after. Yeah. This is the first year they have failed to fail. Failed to flower last year, sorry. It, it, might, it might be then, uh, you know, just time to give them uh, some potash. It always promotes flowering in plants or even just a general fertiliser, you know, a slow-release fertiliser of some sort. Right. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd definitely give that a go. You know, often they're in that soil, you know, the, the bulb has to feed off something and they just get tired after a while and, you know, like us all. And uh, it, it's, it is time to give them a bit of a feed. Just give them a feed? Yep, that'll be fine. Okay, you, pr- you, pr- you probably won't get them, Margaret, to uh, to flower again till next year now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because it's something you just have to build up in the soil. So don't just do it once, you know, do it a couple of times uh, over the year until the bulb becomes dormant again. Right, then. Okay. Because they've been in there since uh, Adam was a little boy. Oh, dear, that's a long time ago. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's how old they are. <laughs> As you say about yours under the house, yeah. these are like that too. Well, good, good luck yeah. with the, uh, the hippie astrums, the uh, hipsters and the hippies out there at Lambton. Not the hippies, not the hippies. <laughs> I haven't got the hippie shakes. Okay. Oh, okay, Scott. Thanks, Thank Margaret. Thank you very much. Oh, nice, bye. Bye-bye. I think it's the hipsters, Scott, you're after there. Oh, the hipsters, could yeah. probably just feed them some quinoa or something. They can... Yeah, yeah. Oh, all those beards, those funny hats <laughs> they wear. Oh, dear me. <laughs> it is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. 22 are past 12. Don't forget today we are giving one lucky call the chance to win a family pass to Hunter Valley Gardens 
Is it spring, spring yes. time at the garden? Yes, springtime at the gardens. There's a festival of flowers on up there. So a yeah, beautiful time to get up there and have a look at the gardens. The gardens are lovely anyway, but uh, if they're going to put something extra on there, why not go and take a squiz and ring us up and you go in the past to, uh, go in the, uh, get the chance to win this family pass today. Very good. If you have got a question for Scott Sharp, give us a call on 49 at 216 at 216. And we've got Robin from Williamtown. How can we help you, Robin? Good morning, Mark. Uh, it's uh, Robin Stewart. Calling. Uh, we've just moved into a place and um, trying to tidy up the existing garden. We have two azaleas that are completely black. Mm-hmm. This looks like a sooty covering on it. Yes. I've tried the natural um, cooking oil, uh, detergent, and water. Uh, that's that's loosening it, and it's coming off in a slice. Yes. Is there any way I can quickly get rid of all that, do you know? Yeah, so look, what you've been using really shouldn't be doing anything to it at all because what you've actually got is a little thing called sooty mould, which is a fungal disease. So you actually need a fungicide of some sort to get rid of that. Now, the trouble with... Uh, what happens with sooty mould, though, is it's usually a two-pronged thing. And what's happened is uh, you've probably got scale on the plant. Now, scale is this little insect that lands on the plant. It uh, forms this waxy shell over it, and it sucks the sap out of the plant. But then it has a a residue that comes out, and the ants love feeding on that. Uh, So the ants come up from the soil to feed on that residue, and they bring these sooty mould fungal spores up from the soil, and that's what starts to go all over the plant, and you get this sort of... Uh, you know, <laughs> cycle of nastiness happening to the plant and eventually they can't photosynthesize and, you know, they start to die off for you. So what I'd have a look at and make, just check on the plant first to see if you've got some, uh, these little, like little pimples, little bumps all over there, or if you've got ants going up and down the plant, because that's a, a sure sign you've got scale and you need to use a product called anti-scale to get rid of those uh, scale insects and the ants. And then to get rid of the black sooty mould, uh, you need to use a product called copperoxychloride or there's another one called Mancozeb Plus. They're both fungicides and they, you just spray them on. They sort of form a coating and over a, you know, a few days, that, that sootiness sort of just peels off. Uh, so you right. need to do that two-pronged attack. Uh, make sure you haven't got scale on there and uh, then also use the fungicide to get rid of the sooty mould. Yes, I'm looking at the plants now. Uh, there is uh, no sign of any um, of the white that you're talking about. Yes. Or even ants around, you know, it's just totally covered in black. Oh, you, uh, it's not some of those big grey birds that fly overhead up there at Williamtown. <laughs> Where their exhaust gas is spewing out, is it? That's probably what it is. Yeah. Oh dear me, dear me. I'd, yeah, I, okay, I'd grab. Well, I'll try the mancozeb. Yeah, the mancozeb or the copper oxychloride, and see if you can clear right. it up that way. Great, thank you so much for that. Okay, thank you, Robin. Okay, bye. Cheers. Cheers, thanks, Robin. We've got Ken from Singleton. How can we help you, Ken? Oh, yes. G'day. Is that you, Scott? Speaking, yes. All right, mate. Uh, it's just a question. Um, hydrangeas. Yes. Can I take cuttings off hydrangeas now, or is it too late? No, no, no. Per- perfect time to do it at the moment, uh, Ken. Uh, you know, they're getting their leaves on them. Uh, they're, you know, all the sap's running through them, So, at, and it's warm enough. If you were to do it too early, they'd be dormant anyway, and nothing much would happen. So it's a fantastic time to take uh, your cuttings from your hydrangeas. Always take them from up around the top, uh, you know, just where it's starting to turn green, and, you know, there's a little bit of woodiness, and that's where you take your cuttings from them. Uh, with hydrangeas, you should be able to do that. Uh, get some uh, rooting powder, uh, some rooting hormone, and uh, use that as well. You dip the end of the uh, the stalk in there, and that uh, helps it uh, put out its roots, and off it goes. Good. Thanks very much for that, uh, Scott. Okay. Uh, no, thanks, mate.
mate. Not a Bye. problem, Ken. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks very much, Ken. Now we've got Sue from Lambton. Sue, how can we help you? Hello, Scott. Oh, Hi. We're, just, we're just talking to someone out at Lambton about hipsters. Have you got any out there around your place? Um, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> how can we help you today? Um, I'm after um, a, sh- a plant for, to espalier mm-hmm. on a side fence that is complete shade. Okay. I'd love it to have flowers. I've thought about um, maybe fuchsia or... Uh, star jasmine, but I don't know. Yeah, star jasmine is an excellent one to uh, keep to keep pruned as an espalier. You can also use camellias uh, if if you want to as well, so you get some winter colour uh, out of it. Sasanqua. Yes, yeah, the They are the best ones to espalier. Uh, now, if anyone's ever got, you know, they want to espalier it in the full sun, uh, you can use citrus or you can use olives as well. They yeah, do very no, very shade. well. It's on yeah. a fence. And, um, and it's south-facing, and, and it'll be north-facing to the house, which is only like a metre away from the fence. So yeah. um, I'd like to open up the blind and look at something beautiful there rather than a yucky colour fence. Yeah, so anyway. you are going to be a little bit restricted there using uh, yeah, look, using either the camellias or the, the Chinese star jasmine. They'll do both very well and very, very tough plants and very easy to keep nice and narrow and train them around into, uh, you know, around some wires if you want to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could grow fuchsias or lobelia there if I didn't want to espaliate it, I think, wouldn't yeah, I? Yeah, fuchsias do all right in a semi-shade position. The only trouble is they don't get, you know, really that tall and they're sort of a, a, sort of a fleshy plant and yeah. I, I just don't think they'd do the job for the for you okay. that you're looking for, for, yeah. The other thing, can you espaliate tomato plants? I, absolutely, there's no reason why you can't do that. You know, they're pretty quick growing. They'd need yeah. to be out in the full sun. No, not in this position, but yeah. in a full sun position. Yeah, yeah? You, you certainly can. You probably because oh. they do grow so quickly. You'd have to be, you know, out there working at them probably every second day. But uh, yeah. certainly go for it. I think that'd be a you know an ideal sort of plant to uh, yeah, you know, cut especially your teeth up on. against hot fences and stuff like that. They'd love it. They'd go for less. They certainly would. Well, the other the other thing you can do is use the sweet bite. Uh, you know, the little cherry tomatoes and yeah. just let them sort of ramble over the ground almost like a ground cover yeah uh, i've seen that done before and uh, you know you get plenty of tomatoes off those and they are the easiest ones to look after oh wow that'd be yeah. great thank you scott okay. so much thank you so have a nice afternoon you too Cheers. Bye. julie from the central coast hey julie how can we help you you've been in a hailstorm i believe that is your understatement <laughs> we got at least four inches oh. everywhere it yep. was Terrible. How big were they? They weren't the golf ball ones, were they? No, they were just pea-sized, but the mass of them, it was just... We got it back in the 80s, was mm. the last time we had a storm like that, but this was worse than that. And the poor mango tree was in full flower, and now it just looks like naked sticks up in oh, the air. dear me, yeah. The, Do the, I cut them back? Yes, the, the good news is mangoes are very, very prunable, so you can give them a, a prune back. They actually smell like mangoes when you cut them, and it's a beautiful soft wood to, to prune. So, yeah, they're very prunable. Uh, look, a hailstorm in a way like that, it's just almost nature's way of pruning a plant, and, and it will come back for you. But if you want to take this opportunity to give it a, a sort of a shape-up, yeah, certainly go for that. Uh, unfortunately, when, when you get hail, I know we've had them, you know, the hailstorms uh, up at Merriweather in the nursery, and when they go through, often you don't think that they're going to have damaged the plants, but that damage starts to manifest itself one week or two weeks later, and you know all these funny little pinpricks all over the plant, and then the leaves eventually give up the ghost, and so it, it, it's quite a you know debilitating uh, you know natural event to happen to your plants. But certainly, yeah, give give your mango tree. 
a prune back and it'll spring back. It probably won't flower for you and fruit again this year. You might get a little bit. But unfortunately, when you you know you interrupt that that cycle, uh, it, it's you know it's difficult. It might not be till the next year that it all comes good again for you. So I've only got to cut. I can just cut the naked sticks back if you, where the flowers were. Yeah, because I've cut. I trimmed the rest of the tree earlier. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's just give those give those flower uh, you know little stalks a prune back. Chances are they're going to die off on you anyway now that they've been interrupted. So uh, yeah, you just give those a cut back if you can. Great. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, good luck. Thanks, Bye. Julie. Cheers, thanks, Julie. And we have Diane from Soldiers Point. Diane, all the way up the bay, how can we help you? Well, I've just put my tomatoes in pots today, yes. so only today. But last season, I um, didn't get any fruit at all off them. Mm-hmm. So I want them to succeed this year. Plus, I wanted a chance to win this. <laughs> the tickets to the garden <laughs> i'll be honest oh we but, love we love honesty and we love friendly yeah. we love friendliness here as well so <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, uh, so um, tell me the, the pots that you've put the tomatoes back into uh, have you refreshed the potting mix in those yeah, or, yeah i have okay it's it, tomatoes are very heavy feed is any plant like that that grows very very quickly uh is always going to use you know a, a lot of nutrient out of the soil it reminds me of that uh you know that almost that final scene in in Blade Runner. You know when uh, you know he, <laughs> he 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 says you know that the, the star that that shines twice as bright you know burns half as long sort of thing. And that's how plants yeah. are as well. You know a plant that grows very very quickly is going to need a lot a lot of nutrients to uh, to get out and you know go through its cycle of uh, flowering and fruiting before the season's over. So with tomatoes, yes, you do have to feed them quite heavily, and it's really important to feed them with potash because it just improves um, flowering on the plants. I'm not sure if the replicants in Blade Runner would have uh, lived a little (laughs) bit longer if they'd had some potash, but your tomatoes will certainly flower a lot better. So I've got um, Bruning's tomato and vegetable starter fertiliser. Yes. And I've got EarthCare power feed for veggies, but I need potash as well. Now, I would think that that first one you mentioned, the Brunnings um, um, brand, from memory, it's got plenty of potash in there, so I I would definitely use it. You can go to your local garden centre and just get straight old potash right. and you can just use that every couple of weeks as well and that will you know give immense you know benefit to the flowering and the fruiting of the plant makes the flowers stronger makes the fruit a lot healthier the other thing to do with tomatoes as well is especially if you've got them in pots is to make sure that your watering is very, very consistent because the, the one thing they don't like is, you know, getting a huge drink and then they dry out for a few days and then you right. give them a huge drink because what happens is that they'll either stress and the fruit will, you know, the flowers and fruit will fall, fall off yeah. or that uh, if they're drying out, that all of a sudden you'll flood the, any tomatoes that you've got on there with too much water and they'll, they'll just burst and right. you, know, you won't have your fruit. So consistent watering with tomatoes is very, very important and use some potash. So when you, you've got a probably a large pot, yes. you know, um, if, can you tell me about how much water you need every day or... Oh, that's always a difficult thing to judge. We water until, you know, the soil or the potting mix is uh, moist and until it's starting just to run down through the bottom of the pot and that's when, okay. you, that's when you stop. Right, yeah. And um, feed every two weeks, you said. Absolutely. Great. Yeah, I listen to you. <laughs> and I bought the big red one. Oh, my kids don't yeah. listen to me, so I'm glad you do, Diane. Yeah, I yeah. did. <laughs> and I, um, I know that up here in Nelson Bay, uh, the Gross Lizzie ones, yes. they do well too. So I bought, um, but I did want to try that big, the big red because of what you said. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, hopefully I'll get some good fruit out of that. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. okay thank so you. now, if I if I uh, you know say, can you clear the dishwasher and tidy up your room? Will you do that as <laughs> yeah. well for me, Diane? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm glad yeah. you. Listen, I'm glad you listened <laughs> I don't to think me. She is. Okay. Don't worry about it at all. Thank you. Thanks, Diane. Thanks very much, Diane. It is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM 103.7. Any questions for Scott Sharp, give us a call on 49 at 216 216. And I apologise in advance. I'm going to pronounce his name wrongly. Miria? Myrna. Myrna. Uh, I should have had a bet with you. Myrna, am I right or am I wrong? Myrna? Myrna? Yes. Yeah, am I right or am I wrong? Are we pronouncing your name correctly? That is right. That's the song that I call Myrna. Uh, Never known to me life. uh, (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) So could you tell me, please, Scott? Yes. Citrus trees. Yes. I pretty much got the answers on the risk of the potash. Good, good. Our orange tree, we've had a first crop. Mm -hmm. Absolutely beautiful oranges. And now we have a second crop. But I'm a bit concerned a lot of the... Blossom is falling on the ground, though the little orange seems to have formed, uh, more or less formed okay. Yes. Now, my lemon tree, which is right next to it, we got about the same thing last year. We got about five lemons off that. That's it. There's still one green one on it, but it's absolutely loaded again with flour. Now, am I doing something wrong that I'm losing them? I fed them with potash, and they get plenty of water. That's the second crop of lemons too, I might add. That, that's what happens often with citrus, and, and I notice that you know I've got a couple of limes planted at work, and they do exactly the same thing. They set too much flower and fruit to what the plant can actually handle. Uh, they're, they're sort of just not up to it. They get optimistic. They they go and they set up all their fruit and flower, and then the only way that they've got to you know to combat that is they actually just let some of it drop, and the amount drops as to what the plant can handle. But you're doing all the right things. You're uh, using potash, which yeah. makes for stronger uh, flowering and fruiting. And you're also giving consistent water. So what often happens with citrus is it's about this time of year that a lot of them flower. And we get those, uh, you know, those hot westerly winds. They haven't been quite so bad this year. But in the past, they, you know, they can be quite, quite bad. And that makes the plant dry out. And that's when they'll go and get a little bit stressed and they'll drop all their flower or fruit. Uh, so, look, you are doing the right things. So I'm not giving it too much potash as I thought it might have been. No, no. Look, if you're using it according to the instructions, then I'd say every couple of weeks is fine and you're watering it regularly. You are, yeah. you know, you're doing the right thing. It's yeah. just the plant trying to combat, you know, it gets a little bit stressed and, uh, you know, if I get a little bit stressed, I sort of, you know, close up the blinds and, you know, pull the doona over my head and that's that. And that's in a way what the, <laughs> that's in a way what the plant nice is doing as well. Do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now... Um, it's not in the west. It's more or less the west comes from the front, and it's at the back, close to the back. Yes. So, obviously, it's not the westerly winds. Just the fact it had a bit of curly leaf last year. Yes. On the orange tree, but we seem to have got rid of that. We're using soapy water detergent and water, and spray it on all my flowers now. I don't like sprays. Yeah, look, I'd be a little bit careful about using that all, all the time. You can get other natural products like eco oil, which are you know botanically based, yeah. and they're they're much safer, and they'll keep the uh, you know the leaf curl and citrus leaf mine are under control. I'll be concerned about sticking detergent over your plants, uh, you know, oh, and, and re- okay. repeatedly. Uh, yeah. You know, it might just start to you know clog up the you know the pores of the leaves and start mm-hmm. to do some damage the there. The pictures here is they're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, look, Scott. Yeah, thank you. That's all right. Thank you very much for that. Anyway. Okay. Thank you. you Great day. Okay, bye bye. Francis Gardening Talk back on to when you are FM. We've got Kevin from New Lamp. No, Kevin from Gwandolin. He's lemon right. tree. How are you doing, Kevin? 
Yeah, good afternoon. How can we help you, mate? Um, I've got some uh, splits in the bark of a couple of major branches on my lemon tree. Yes. Uh, the area's got a bit of blackening around it as well. I'm mm-hmm. just wondering what I should do with that. Yeah, le- lemon trees can sometimes get louse scar, which is like almost a white sort of, you know, almost dandruff, I guess. It's dandruff of the plant mm-hmm. um, all all over the, the stem of the plant. And, that, and that's a little insect that's actually sucking away the uh, the sap out of the branch. And that's often why you get cracked bark. Sometimes, the, the you know, the plant just gets a little bit old, um, you know, right. like you, you know, like like me, I guess, and you know, it starts to get a bit, you know, things just aren't working as well for it, and then you can get the bark crack that way. What mm-hmm. I usually recommend and I do is there's a product called Steri Prune, which is a tar-based paint. And I know you, what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, you grab that. You can get it in a pressure pack or you can get it in a um, in a tin where you can actually paint it on. You wreck up your paintbrush if you do that. But <laughs> yep. and, and I just spray all over where around where that crack is. And the reason to do that is to stop any other incursions of insect or fungus or anything getting into that crack. Because once the bark's open like that, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a point of entrance. You know, that's yeah. like breaching the castle wall the tree's vulnerable yep yeah and the barbarians can flood in and take over and so you have to try and seal that up in some way and i guess you know in the olden days i used to pour tar you know hot tar down the walls <laughs> to get rid of the barbarians but that's that's what i do i'd grab some of that uh, steri prune mm-hmm. and uh, spray that over the tree uh, you know just over where those cracks are on the tree and try and seal it up like that uh, look make sure it's a nice healthy tree you know, they'd love poultry manure so feed it some poultry manure and i'd get plenty of that great yeah because they are they do need a good um a good regular feed uh, three or four times a year uh, mm-hmm. with citrus. So, yeah, just make sure they're getting plenty of poultry manure. Seal up those cracks. And uh, if you have got louse scale, uh, you need to use some anti-scale uh, and spray that up and down the trunk. So it's quite prevalent on uh, citrus, and it does uh, start to affect the bark after some time. Good one. Okay, I'll okay. try both those things. Okay, good luck with it, Kev. Thank you, Scott. Okay, thanks, mate. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Kevin. It is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Bruce from West Wall's End. Bruce out at Westie. How can we help you? Yes, Scott? Yes, mate. How can we help you? So, uh, mate, uh, you can use gypsum uh, around native plants. I only use it according to the instructions, of course. It's, uh, you can, it's safe to use around all plants, uh, and it should uh, help you break down uh, the clay that's, uh, that, that's there because natives do not like clay soil. They do not like having uh, you know, wet feet. Uh, a lot of uh, plants you get over from Western Australia, they love those sandy conditions, you know, where it's not humid. So, uh, you know, if you're using some gypsum around your native plants, uh, it's only going to be uh, beneficial. So, but yeah, thanks for that, Bruce. It is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM and, and another name for me. It is Marcia from Toronto. How is Greg going? Is he pronounced your name correctly, Marcia? Yes. Uh, yes. Marcia. <laughs> Oh, Marcia, we might just get you to turn your radio down there and we'll come back oh, to you. Oh, yeah. I thought I heard. Wait a minute. That's all right. How about we might just have a quick... Do you want to talk to Dorothy from Musselbrook, mate? And... Yeah, we'll just gather Dorothy yeah. from Musselbrook. How are you doing, Dorothy? Good. <coughs> Good afternoon, gentlemen. <laughs> How can we Not help you? with? are a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> we, can come up and give, we can come up and give you a pat on the back if you want, Dorothy, <laughs> and try... That's what I need. <laughs> a bit, bit of a long trip, though. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. Uh, just... <laughs> I've got a problem... I've had a, a white hibiscus in the front garden, but yep. it was pretty shade and it was doing miserably. Yeah. So 
so through the winter, I, I, I did my block with it and went up to uh, dig it out. But some of it broke off, so I potted it up. And it's got leaf on it. But the leaf that's coming through, I'm seeding it with sea salt. Yes. Uh, the leaf that's coming through is um, some of them are very tight up, uh, very crinkly and tight, and they don't seem to be spreading out quickly enough. Okay. I'm frightened it might die off because I tried to grow one from a cutting last year and it grew off. Oh, you know, I think, Dorothy, the poor old plant's confused. One hand, you've tried to, you know, you've tried to knock it off and get it out of this world and then you turn all soft like a marshmallow <laughs> and you decide you're going to pot it up and try and keep it alive. <laughs> How does it know what it's going to do? Uh, so, look, if a leaf's curled up like that, chances are there's some sort of insect that's actually sapping, you know, sucking the sap out of the leaf. Uh, so you probably need to give it a spray with some something, you know, like Comfidor. Uh, you could uh-huh. give, give that a try and see how it goes. I'm always a little bit reluctant to spray, you know, young cuttings like that. But uh, if, if it's not looking real happy, you're going to have to give it a try. So, yeah, give it a try with some Comfidor and, and spray that on see, and see if you don't get a, a result with it. And try yeah, and... I just thought it might might have needed seeding, something that I've, I haven't got. But I'm pretty broad spectrum with different foods. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I've got a lemon tree yes, right yes. to a Maya lemon. Now, this tree has been in for donkey's years, uh, well, at least 10. Yep. And it's still only growing, it's probably still only about five feet. Yep. It knows now, what you're going to do with it if it gets too big. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's keeping its head below the parapet. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, the lady next door can have some of the lemons. That'll, that might help. Um the leaves on it are yellowing. Yes. And slightly curled. Mm-hmm. Now, it's covered in flowers. I get good fruit between me and the fruit fly. Uh, I managed to get some and salvage some. Uh, but what is... I, I hit it with some um, Epsom salts the other day. Yep. But how do you put the Epsom salts on? Yeah, usually it's a mix-up in, in the watering can and, and water that around the drip line of the tree. But it's always as the instructions say. I have seen them say that you can sprinkle it around uh, the area, um, but it's just you always go by what is on the packet and uh, and, and do it that way. Well, I, I mixed it in water, but I saw somewhere online that you put it, you mix it into hot water and let it cool. Uh, look, the only reason you do that is just so it actually dilutes. Uh, you know, if you stick your, you know, your coffee in some cold water, it's in your instant coffee, it's not going to, you know, it's just going to float to the top. That's yeah. why you put it into some warm water and then let it dilute and, uh, and, and sort of dilute it in there and then let it cool and put it around yeah. there. The okay. other thing that lemons love is they love poultry manure. You know, they love having oh. some organic matter around them. Okay. So I'd, I'd also do that. Just don't rely on, you know, the ground and, and the Epsom salts so you always well, use some I, good I organic use the powder. citrus food, of course. Yeah, that, that's fine, but I'd definitely use some poultry manure. They love oh, that, okay. and you'll get a great result if you just go and dump a couple of bags of poultry manure yeah, uh, around, that around the Yeah, that, that moss that gets in it too, that's another... Another thing that comes up, that gall wasp. Oh, yes. Yeah. So you have to prune that out and wrap it into yeah. a plastic bag and then put that in the garbage so it's, it's gone, yeah. 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 The, yeah there's, there's nothing really to, apart from pruning that out. That's is anyway there a particular part of the plant that that chooses or can it be anywhere? It can be anywhere, you know, on a nice woody part of the, the branch and it makes a total mess of the plant. But yeah. uh, it is something, yeah, you need to prune out and then just don't dump it on the ground. You do need to, yeah. to actually tie it up in a plastic bag and get rid of it. Okay. Okay. Thanks very much, gentlemen. Okay, thank you, Dorothy. Bye. Cheers, thank you, Dorothy. Let's go back to Marcia from Toronto. Marcia, how can we help you? Yes, um, I want to ask a few questions about pomegranate. Yes. 
how severely or not severely can you prune them and where does the fruit come from the new you know the new shoots or the stuff that's there already no the the, the <laughs> fruit's going to come from the new growth so if you start to prune it you're actually going to you know retard the the ability of it to to fruit um for this season uh, so, okay. yeah, often, uh, you know, that's the something you do just after the plant's finished fruiting and its fruits come off. And that's when you give them a good prune back at that point in time. Quite quite strongly, you can yes, prune yeah. back. Yeah, that's, that's when you do that. Uh, if like you, a fig tree? Yeah, absolutely like a fig tree. You can do exactly the same thing. All right. Yep. Yes. Okay. And, and then um, what, what should I be feeding them? Uh, so with a pomegranate, you could, is it in a pot or is it in the ground? I've got two in pots and one in the ground. Okay, so with the one in the ground, you can use cow manure on that. And with the ones in the pots, you have to use a slow-release fertiliser like uh, Organic Extra or Bounce Back. They're uh, both uh, pelletised, uh, uh, neutral pH uh, fertilisers that you can use in pots. You can use them all around the garden as well, but you can certainly use some cow manure on the uh, pomegranate that's in the ground. Yeah, horse manure? Uh, look, horse manure only once a year. I'm not a big fan of the horse. Um, <laughs> I've got, my daughter's got horses, okay. so I get free horse manure. I don't, I don't trust the buggers, actually. I always think they're going to bite me. I always worry about them. The, with the horses? With your horses, yes. Yeah, I'm not a, not the biggest fan of the horse. I'd, I'd, I'd more likely, you know, jump in the lake with a, a bull shark than jump in the lake with a horse. On a... Uh. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Oh, the best is not to jump in the lake at all with yeah, either of them, really. Probably. Um, what about, right, yeah, uh, so the pruning, fruit and the feeding. Yeah, I, I don't I'm even, looking the, at my notes. The only reason the other, I... Sorry, the only reason I say about horse manure once a year is because the horse, I believe, has only got... I'm no vet. I mean, I'm not Dr. Chris. I certainly don't look as good as Dr. Chris. Certainly don't. No, thank you, mate. <laughs> and, and I believe the horse has only got one gut, so it doesn't break up yeah. the, the air. So when, often, the, you know, the stuff that comes out the other end of the horse when it lifts its tail up and has yeah. a, a contented look on its face, uh, it's got uh, a lot of grass and stuff in it, and that yeah. can still be quite yeah. hot. And you can burn, uh, you know, burn the plants by overusing it. I, I've heard of, you know, a couple of cases where people have used, you know, quantities of horse manure and done great damage to their garden. So oh. I, I would only use it once a year and uh, try and then use other manures as well uh, that yeah. are, you know, more broken down, like the chook and the cow or the sheep even. And, yeah, and the sheep and, and sheep are cute and cuddly, and they're not going to, they're not going to hurt you. <laughs> Now, what about rosella fruit? Are they in, in your stock yet? Uh, no, no, I haven't got those at the moment. Uh, often a specialty a fruit tree grower is the best way to go and try and find those. Oh, Yeah, sorry okay. about that. And are they a, they're a one-year fruit and they're finished, aren't they? That, that's they? right, yeah. They're also a cute little bird as well. They're also what? <laughs> a cute little bird as well. What do you mean? The rosella. They won't bite you either. Oh, 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 oh yes, yeah, sorry, a bit slow. That's uh, all right. Yes, yes, they are, yes. Yeah, beautiful fruit and beautiful, well, beautiful jam. Yes, yes. I uh, can't eat the fruit. Well, I don't, but uh, apparently you can eat the tips of the, the leaves, can't you? Oh, I haven't heard that one. Um, I'll, yes, I'll have to in invest... Indonesia they do, okay. and it's a very nice little vegetable. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll investigate about that. Yes, as far as I know, in any case. All right, okay. well, thanks for your help. Then. Okay, well, thank you, Marcia. 
Thank you, Scott. Okay. Have a good afternoon. Bye. Bye-bye. Now, Scott, you had a pretty interesting time on last Friday. Very success- successful day. Yeah, we had a, a really lovely couple of hours in at Wheeler Place. Council were reactivating Wheeler Place. They've got all those fantastic new big yep. uh, green and pink pots in there. They've got wonderful new seating. Uh, and we gave away 200 mini terrariums to any office worker that wanted to come down and get a, a oh, little very bit good. of greenery for their, uh, for their desk. It was fantastic, yeah. Good turnout? Uh, an absolutely wonderful turnout. We had, uh, oh, I'm a little bit worried, we gave away a couple to uh, Alice and Jan from Imprint Printing down on Hunter Street. And oh, yeah. They took them back. They weren't very positive, but I'm trying to give them positive vibes that they're... Uh so you're hoping they're still alive? Yeah, so Alice and Jan, I hope those plants are still going there for you. <laughs> very good. Well, this afternoon we were giving away a family pass to springtime at Hunter Valley Gardens. Scott, do you have a winner for us? Yes. How about we give it away? And I'm sure you're going to agree with me on this one, Greg, too. Diane from... Soldier's Point. She was honest with us and she was also very, very friendly as well. Very good. And who doesn't like questions about tomatoes? Absolutely. And we will always reward honesty honesty and friendliness here. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And even saying hello. So we're pretty shallow people. We are really here. We'll do anything for a hello. Well, Scotty, we're almost out of time, but before you do go, let's talk about this big red you've been flashing about. Yes, I have been flashing about. Uh, now, Greg, it's a geranium. It's not a Shiraz. I, I saw your eyes uh, light up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a um, geranium that's been around for a couple of years now, but coming into spring and summer as it starts to heat up, they're in flower at the moment, and geraniums are the ideal plant for those really hot spots, you know, the pots, you know, sticking them up in a hanging pot or on a western wall, a fantastic uh, spot and these um, geranium big reds have so much color they are truly one of the you know sort of the reddest uh, geraniums that I've ever seen a profusion of flowers you know I love that word and I've used it yet again this week uh, so a lot a lot of flowers on it very very tough plant beautiful colors and uh, if only it came with that free bottle of Merlot with every it would be very nice it would be, It'd Scott, be there. Scott Sharp, thank you very much we'll be back again next week for Gardening Talkback you're on 2 and you are FM